Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 365, and I had a conversation with Edna Klein Recchi. Edna blows my mind. She's rescued children in India, been an olive farmer with her husband Jack, and rescued dogs in Spain. Uh, in her younger years, she was a journalist. She's been a clothing designer and is a recycled materials artist. And she teaches kids how to turn junk and trash into beautiful art and upcycled usefulness. She's an octogenarian who wrote the world-beloved poem about losing a pet, Rainbow Bridge, when she was herself but a bereaved 19-year-old, so decades ago. And she she didn't even know what an impact those beautiful words have had on the world. She had no idea. She found out much, much, much late in life that this poem she wrote at 19 about her beloved dog, Major, had gone on to touch the lives of hundreds of millions of people. Just incredible. She even reads the poem on this episode. And I got to tell you, as she read it, I felt my own beloved Mikey, who I lost a handful of years ago. I felt him curled up next to me by my side as I listened to her read it. I was sobbing. It was so beautiful. So yeah, I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. Just woof, you know, (laughs) so woof. It's so great. So excited. All right. Check out heyhumanpodcast.com for links and to learn more about my guests in the show. Check out susanruth.com to learn more about me and my other artistic endeavors. Follow Susan Ruthism and Hey Human Podcast on social media. Find my albums on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, wherever you get your music. You can look for my most recent record. It's called All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. And check out my relationships and sex show with sexologist and healthcare practitioner Mara Edelman. It's on YouTube under Are We There Yet podcast show. Rate, review, and subscribe. Hey Human Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening. Be well, be kind. Please, you know, lift each other up. I know I say this every episode, but I mean it. We're in this together. Be love. Just, yeah, it's it's good stuff. And enjoy this episode with Edna, who is an absolute delight. Her accent is great. She's Scottish, and I just, I'm so tickled. I'm so thankful that that she said she would be on the show. And shout out to Paul Kunineris, who gave me her contact information and helped me reach out to her. He wrote an incredible article about her, and uh, I will put that in the links page as well so that you can read it, because it's a really lovely article. And yeah, just thank you. Keep spreading Hey Human around. Share it with your friends and your family and, and all that good news, and let's get into this. All right, here we go. Hello? Edda? Yes. Hello, how are you? Hello. Hi. I'm fine, thank you. I'm sort of a bit, um, 
Susan, yes, I forget names. Yes, Susan, that's correct. Susan, okay, that's lovely. Now we're on an even keel. (laughs) So, I was reading your article on the internet. Well, I was going through things and looking at it. I learned of you through Paul Kudineris, and Paul was on my show as well. And I randomly saw your article that he wrote, which was lovely, uh-huh. and reached out mm-hmm. to him. Yes, he's good. Yeah, he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I asked him if he could introduce us because I thought it would be lovely to have you on my show. <laughs> Here you are. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. So it needs to be rehearsed, would it? Or we just do it off the cuff? Oh, we just do it like old friends talking on the phone. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm I'm 82 now. I'll be 83 in September, and I take every opportunity, you know, to just enjoy myself. I spend a lot of time over here. I go around the schools, and I teach the children how to recycle things. I love that. And then I have a group of children that come to my house and they all have something that they want to recycle or they think they could recycle it. And then we talk about it and decide what they're going to do. Then they make it, finish it, and they're so proud of them. And then they go back to the school and teach the other children how to do it. You were born in Scotland? Yes. I was born in Aberdeenshire in Scotland and then we moved up to Inverness and live about mm, five or six miles from Loch Ness, where Nessie is. Did you have a lot of pets growing up? Well, Major was my very own. I had a twin brother and an older uh, brother and sister. So we all had a dog. We had to share the dog. And then Major was my very own dog, the first one I ever had, which was mine. And I just loved him so much. You know, we adored We just adored each other. And my mum, she used to say to me, I don't know how you get Major to be so obedient. And look at him, he looks at you, he just adores you. And that, that's what it was. You know, we just had a very close relationship. It was lovely. And then he was, he was really quite ill. I can't even remember. It's a long, long time ago. I can't even remember what the illness was, but he died in my arms. And I've, I've never, ever forgotten that feeling of losing him. And, and I was only 19, and of course, you're very emotional at that time. So I was oh, easily into the end of the second day, and I was still crying. I couldn't eat, and I couldn't sleep. I was so distressed. And my mum came through, and she used to call me Nanny when I was young. And it's because my twin brother used to call me Nanny. And um, she said, look, Nanny, you'll have to stop crying. You're just going to make yourself ill. She said, I'll tell you what to do. I know how sad you are, losing major. So she said, you write everything down that you're feeling right now. And I, you know, I, I, I just stopped crying and stopped crying. And I thought, that's what I've got to do. So I was really just, I got a, I took a page out of my sister's book, her school book, she was an older sister, and uh, it was a clear page, so I wrote the first page of it. You have read it, have you? Oh, yes. The Rainbow Many... Bridge? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I wrote the first page, and then 
when I turned it over, I thought, oh, what have I done? It was one of my sister's work books that I'd taken it out of, and that page was written on. So I sort of rubbed out the half of the page and wrote it, and then scribbled out the rest so she wouldn't recognize it. <laughs> and that was how uh, Rainbow Bridge was born. And it was, I felt like Major was talking to me, but at the same time, I thought there's more to this, there's absolutely more to this. And then after I sat down, you know, and thought about it, I thought this was God. I was absolutely stricken with with terrible, terrible pain of losing him. I never imagined anything like that. And then um, after I had written it, I my mum said to me, oh, it's a bit messy, she said, would you write it again and make it nice and neat? And I said, no, because this is just how I feel, you know, when I wrote it. And I was crying and I, <laughs> I had tear stains on one of the corners. So I um, tore the corner off it. And that's, and then that was it. The Rainbow Bridge was born. And I, two or three friends came around because they knew I was so upset. And we all went out and we had our lunch somewhere. I can't remember now. And... Um, they they were all crying. They were all sitting crying in the restaurant when they, when I read them the poem. So they asked if they could have a copy. And I said, yes, but I'll have to write them. I don't have a typewriter. I mean, this was the way back in 1959. And um, I just wrote them. But they, it was a bit better. And there wasn't spelling mistakes and <laughs> things marked it. But... I think that's the only way that my poem must have got out because they're the only ones that got a copy. They just loved it and of course they were showing it to everybody and telling everybody about it. And I I didn't know it had gone so far. I had no idea it had gone like that. It was my personal poem and just the feelings for my darling dog, you know. I mean, I've read it so many times over my life, and I I had a dog like you had Major. I had a dog, Mikey, that was my soulmate that felt, Uh when he passed away, it felt like my heart had been ripped from my body. And Yes, that's how I felt. Yeah, it's the worst pain. And it's interesting because reading your poem, it feels like you're, you're... you're reaching through the the ether and somebody who knows somebody who really knows is is reporting back to you to let you know that this Mm -hmm. is what's going to happen and this is how it's all going to play out what i found what, what my friends said you know that makes us feel unafraid of ever dying and that was exactly i that wasn't how i felt but that's what they felt you know because it Whenever they died, they'd all got pets. They would go over and meet their pets. And it, it did, it soothed them so much because really, I mean, we, we all felt, we all had dogs and we all felt just so sad at the thought of even losing them. You know, and they were, they were, they were just so sad. I said, oh, I'm sorry. And they said, don't be sorry. It's an experience. I still miss Mikey. Well, it's been years. Yeah, oh my gosh, I do. But I do have more dogs. I've always had dogs from then on. Because my mum said to me, look, you're going to carry on breaking your heart over this. She says, Major would want you to get another dog just to keep you happy and stop you crying. 
And that was what I did. I got another one, a golden Labrador, just like Major. Oh. And I felt I hadn't lost them then. And, and my mum always said that. She said, it's not, it's not bad to replace your dog. It's because you have a lovely, lovely memory of them. And you just don't want to, you know, to lose them. And that's what I felt. Because you think, oh, how can any dog replace the dog that I love so mm-hmm. much? I know, it's difficult. But it, it does, I mean, it, it does happen. I mean, I've lost, as I said, I'm over 80 now. And I've had many, many dogs. And at the moment, I have Missy. And she's a little Bijon Freeze. And she's fully trained as a carer for the elderly. And she's a wonderful little dog. And my friend Katie, friends Katie and Andrew, who have a holiday home for dogs, and they always used to take my dogs if I was on holiday. Katie arrived at the door, and she had this little white Bichon Frise with her. And I thought, oh, she just brought me to see it. And I said, well, where, where is it having a holiday from, this one? And she said, well, I had it now for three weeks. He said, she told me the story. The old lady died. And she said he, um, her son and his wife had to take uh, the ruby. And um, they arrived at Katie's house and said, we're going on a holiday. Can you keep this little lass for us? Yes, she said, that's fine. And she didn't take anything in advance, you know, money or anything. But they just didn't come back. They never came back. What? And... um, Oh, it was just so sad. Anyway, what a happy little thing she is. She's absolutely lovely. Eight o'clock every night, she goes to my bedroom and she comes through with one slipper and goes back for the next one. And then she goes back and drags my pajamas through the top and then the trousers. And then she goes into the bathroom and pulls down my dressing gown. And then she throws that as well drags it through and then she nuzzles it all into a heap and sits down and looks up at me and goes woof get ready for bed that is so adorable (laughs) she she is she's absolutely wonderful she never goes through a door in front of me she doesn't go through a gate in front of me she watches me and if she thinks i'm in danger she comes down and goes in front of me and sits looking up at me giving a little growl don't do it but she's an absolute darling. She's just absolutely lovely. So that's mm. a little Missy. I did not know that dogs were trained for elder care. Yes, yes, they're trained over here for care for the elderly, and they go and get things for them, you know, and just help with everything. And Missy's still the same. She doesn't like to be outside away from me. She likes to be close. And if I have a, we have a big wood, you know, just along from our house, so I take them to walk there every day. And my other dog is Sanusi, and um, he is uh, an Andalusian Podenco. Oh. And they're used, they're used in, Spain, in Spain for catching um, boar, pigs, boar in the mountains, and uh, rabbits and foxes and whatever, you know, that's what they're trained for. And my husband and I eventually, after... Oh, just, we were retired. And Jack decided that he wanted to buy an olive grove, or olive groves, and we would like to move to Spain. So that's what we did. And we had a beautiful house and 
three, I think it was three, it's difficult to remembering, um, huge olive groves and just a lovely time. You know, I loved it. But anyway, um, the man that was down below us, he had his groves and his house and lots of things. And we used to hear every day these dogs squealing and him shouting. And I, I said to him, you know, what are you doing to these dogs? I shouted him in Spanish. And he said, there's no problema, senora. Oh, my God, I was so mad at the first time I ever felt like swearing at somebody. But anyway, the next thing he did was took one of his dogs and hanged it from a tree so that I could see it. Oh, my God. It was awful. It was awful. And I just cried and cried. When I think of it, I, I was oh, absolutely horrified. And a little while, wasn't long after he did that, we had a sort of a huge, it was just a, a small earthquake, but we lived in the mountains as well, and we had a very big wall at the edge of our property, and um, the guy down below, he was on the end, and we, as, as I said, this came down because it was like an earthquake it was. So that fell, the wall was broken, and anyway, to cut a long story short, my other we had two spaniels at that time. Mm -hmm. We had Megan and Puffin, <laughs> and um, Megan came running along the terrace, and she was pulling, pulling at my trouser leg. You know, come and see, come and see. So we walked with a huge, long, open terrace at the front, and then round at the end was the laundry area. And he rushed, and, and the door to the washing machine was open, and he popped his head inside. And then he came out and pulled my trouser leg over to see, and there was this little puppy, and it was in my washing machine, absolutely terrified, mm. absolutely. Anyway, um, my friend Alma was our vet, and her husband was the local judge. So she went to see him, and, and they caught him actually, you know, being bad to one of the dogs. He used to train these puppies. So that they and they would obey, and then they had to go and kill something. So they might have been about six months old, and by that time they were fully trained to, you know, just to be a, a hunting dog. Mm. So this little dog, we just worked at it. Anyway, Alma came up and she said, "Oh, Edna, what a mess!" She said his ribs are broken and his leg is broken, and she said he's just. I had these are her words. He's but he's beaten to hell. Oh, my goodness, I was so upset. I knew there was something terribly wrong with him, but I almost sorted that out, and she said, he's not getting off with this. He's not getting off with it. So uh, she, I went down with Major, and she put the, she set his leg with a plaster, and I watched her doing it, everything. And then we came back, and um, but later that afternoon, she went down to see this man, and she asked to see his dogs, and she said she was just horrified. She turned around and went straight to the police station and said, look, you've got to come and sort this man out. And the police, for what? And the, the policeman said, oh, gosh, that's okay. Um, they're just training their dogs. So seemingly they all do that. So she got her husband, who I said was a local judge, and um, she took, he was with her when she went there, and he, he took... Uh, all of the dogs away. Alma went and got the ball and 
took them away, and the guy didn't object because the judge was there. And anyway, they had him charged, and he had eight years in prison, which was great delight to me. And in Spain, you don't live off the government while you're in prison. You have to have the money to pay. So anybody that has a house and property, they lose everything. And also, um, there's there's no national, you know, government money or anything goes to them. But he lost that, and all his dogs were taken away, and then he lost his land as well. Excuse me, what are you barking at? No, no, that was Anusa giving a bark, probably somebody... No, it's all right. Sorry about that. That's okay. Um, and he, he also... Um, Jose let the other prisoners in the prison, he let them know what he had done to this little dog. So his life wasn't pleasant in there. Mm. So he had his ribs bashed a few times and a broken leg. So it maybe taught him a lesson, but I, I don't know. It's a terrible, terrible thing to do to dogs. Oh, yeah. My she has never been smacked since. I've just loved him. And he's so loving and obedient. And, you know, I can take a bone out of his mouth and he doesn't even grumble. He's absolutely wonderful, Aww. and this is the same because she's fully trained. So I'm. I he's now twelve, and I'm thinking, well, if he's going to live as long as my spaniels, I'll be so happy. Um, my spaniels lived. Puffin lived to twenty one. That was in Spain. And then Megan lived till nineteen. That's incredible because it, spaniels don't usually live that long. Well, they don't, but I think the thing is that they never, they only had raw meat and suitable vegetables. Mm -hmm. All their meat was raw, because that's the way they live naturally, and that's that's what they had. And and they they didn't get things like sweeties and biscuits full of oatmeal and things like that. I think that's what, I think that's what shortens their lives. Interesting. And Zanussi is... um, He's the same, and so is Missy. They just get raw meat and fish and chicken. Getting back to the Rainbow Bridge, the Rainbow Bridge has been shared, and and sometimes people erroneously claim that they wrote it, and uh, hundreds of millions of people have read your poem and taken it to heart and and had a sense of peace because of it. Is it so? Uh-huh. Is it so strange for you to know that it's been read by millions upon millions? A friend of mine lost her dog, and when she went to the vets, she came to show me that this lovely poem she got, and I said, "That's mine." No, she said, "I got it from the vets, not yours." I said, "It is. I wrote it." And she said, "Oh my goodness me!" So it's it's gone around, and now I've realised that every vet in the country has my poem, and they give it to people when they lose a dog yeah. or lose an animal. You know, and I think that's wonderful. Is that it's how you found out? You found out because of your friend? But yes, that's how I found out. I had no idea it had gone so far, and I've, I then I went to my vet, and um, he he actually went down on his knees when I told him. And, he, and I said, look, this is the original. And he, he went down on his knees. He said, do you realize that this is all over the world? And I said, no, I didn't. But I said, I saw the one that you'd given to my friend. So I said, I thought I would come in and give you a copy of my one. 
and he was absolutely delighted. So from then on, it's just been a steady thing of phone calls and then people sending emails. And Paul does so much for me. Yes, and he's a lovely, lovely man. He, he is does so much. Such a lovely so man. It's great. And I'm I'm glad. I mean, I understand the idea that when you write something like this, that changes the world. And that it doesn't, and it doesn't feel like maybe it belongs to you. But you did; you were the channel for it. You were the writer, so I'm glad that you're getting the recognition. Yeah, well, it's wonderful, but it's also very wonderful the way it happened. You know? Yeah. It just, it, it just couldn't be anything else than from God. You know? I mean, so many millions of people have it. You know, it's even been um, translated into Russian. <laughs> It's amazing. I have to explain to you why I'm forgetting things. I had a stroke. I've actually had three small ones. But the only thing it affected was my memory. When I first one and I came out of hospital, I didn't even know my name. I didn't even know I had dogs. I didn't know where I stayed. And I had to work hard to get the whole lot back again, almost all of it back. Mm. So it's been a lesson for me, you know, to learn what to do with it and to also appreciate things which I didn't bother about before. You have the poem with you right now? Yes, it's in my arms. Would Mm -hmm. you like to read it? That would be lovely. Yes. Yes, I will. Hold on. Right. Just this side of heaven is a place called Rainbow Bridge. When an animal dies that has been especially close to someone here, your pet goes to the Rainbow Bridge. There are meadows and hills for all of our special friends. They can run and play together. There's plenty of food, water and sunshine, and friends are warm and comfortable. All the animals who had been ill and old are restored to health and strength. Those who were hurt are made better and strong again, like we remember them before they go to heaven. They're happy and content, except for one small thing. They each miss someone very special to them who had to be left behind. They all... Ru- I'm sorry, this is dreadful. It just me apart when I read it, you know. Um, all the animals who have been ill and old are restored, restored to health and strength. And those who are hurt are made better and strong again, like we remember them before they go to heaven. They're happy and content, except for one small thing. They each miss someone very special to them who had to be left behind. They all run and play together, but the day comes when one suddenly stops and looks into the distance. His eyes bright are shining. His body shakes. Suddenly, he begins to run from the herd, rushing over the grass, his legs carrying him faster and faster. He has seen you. And when you and your special friend finally meet, you cuddle in a happy hug, never to be apart again. You and your pet are in tears. Your hands again cuddle his head, and you look again into his trusting eyes, so long gone from life, but never absent from your heart, and then you cross the rainbow bridge together. So that's it. The whole thing. 
Thank you. It makes me cry oh, too. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh, so I, I I know that it it came from God. This and He had waited, and it okay, you know, until it was coming to the time when people had to learn to love their dogs and not hit them and destroy them. And the amount of people that have absolutely loved this poem, and I, I'm I'm just I'm just in awe, you know, that it's happened. I, I'm, it hasn't affected me the way, you know, it hasn't affected me thinking, oh, I've got a poem that's all over the world. I'm happy it's there because it's giving people comfort. Yeah. I think it is. They do cry at the time, but it, it's so exciting to know that you're going to see your dog again and it's waiting for you. I truly believe that's going to happen because it, these weren't my words. They just sort of, you know, they came without me even thinking about it. I could feel Major beside me. I could feel him beside me. Yeah. When I read it, I cry. When I listen to you read it, I cry because I know it's true. Yes. It's it's the truth of it mm-hmm. that makes me cry. You know? Well, that's what I feel. It's so special. So, so special. We lived in India before we lived in Spain. And, um, oh, the dogs were treated very badly there. So anyway, I, I started up a group, you know, to save all these doggies and find new homes for them. And then the other thing happened that we started taking in the children off the street, you know, and rehoming them and letting them live. We had a fairly big house, so we kept the kids there until they felt more secure. Otherwise, in India, they, they used to just put their children, if it's too much for them to keep, they'd put them out on the street. It was absolutely horrendous. That's what I did. We lived, We had a lovely house, and we lived in Murudel Coy, which is about 15 miles from um, the Taj Mahal. And I still have photographs of us there at the time. But I'd, I'd never seen so much cruelty or don't care in all of my life. And, I, and Jack said, you know, from now on, we're just going to help every animal that needs to be helped. We will do that. And that's what we've always done. We've always done that. So you took in children and animals? Not at the same time. So after when we, you know, we had them. Well, we did that. We got all the homes and then decided that we'd start taking children. Because there was one that I found we, we were in Delhi at the time. And um, this little girl, she was sitting on the side of the street and her knees were cut. She'd fallen somewhere and her hands were cut. There was just nobody there to help her. And they didn't. So when I saw her, I I said to her, you know, what was her name? And she told me. And I said, have you got a mummy and a daddy? No. I thought, my God, this child was living and sleeping at night. And she was uh, used by men and goodness knows what all. So I was so horrified, I said to Jack, well, let's see, you know, as many as we can. And that was what we did. Wow. And it was something I loved to see them lose their sadness and be happy again. But it, it's, in some places, it's a horrible life. You know, people just don't think. So we'll see. You're a very special human, Edna. You and, and Jack both. It's a oh, lot. thank a, you very much. A lot of people wouldn't they might notice, but they wouldn't necessarily do anything about it. 
Oh, I know. That was what got me. And some of my friends in India, there's quite a lot of um, English people out there. I'm Scottish. And all of them, I'm very proud of it. And um, they just, they weren't interested at all. When I told them that I was doing, oh, for heaven's sake, you know, that was the attitude. You don't need that. And I said, neither do these children need what they're going through. I said, all they need is love. I said, one little girl that I gave a cuddle to, she just burst out crying and she was shaking all over. She was so emotional. And I said to her, you know, what's happening with you? Why are you crying? And she said, because I love you. And that was all she said. Mm. And then she just cried for a wee while and then she just loved me like she said she was such an adorable little girl mm. but again that was just one you know that, that stuck in my mind but I think I'm very lucky I've had I've had a lovely life where I was able to do these things you know, and help other people and I brought up my own children like that and my granddaughter actually she's exactly like I was as a child mm. <laughs> so I think she's going to have a super life as well do you think that animals are sent as our soulmates or like angels? I think if they're sent to you, you know, because especially with Sanusi, I mean, he, I'll tell you what happened. After I got him, I, I stayed with him when, when Alma did the operation on his leg and everything. So I said, I'll never leave him again. And um, he just... He, he he just got, I was the only one he would come to, he wouldn't even go to Jack, but he would come to me. And um, Jack said, you know, he's, he, he adores you. Now, I'm diabetic and I have to take insulin. And at times, you know, I maybe have a hypo and I've got to be very careful. He was just a puppy. He was about, oh, 12, 14 weeks old. And he knew when my diabetes was not behaving itself. And I was having a hypo, and he used to push and push me into where the, the kitchen was to eat something. And it wasn't, it was Jack that told me, he said, my goodness, he said, this little fellow is saving your life. Hmm. And I said, well, I saved his life, so if he is, I'm glad, you know, to let him do that. And that was what, that's what happened, and he still, to this day, he still pushes and shoves me and get into the kitchen <laughs> because he knows they can scent it. Yeah. You know, and and uh, so that's, that's also, he's, he's really the most wonderful dog. I just adore him. And, and oh my goodness, they're going to cross over sometime and that is just, it's just not thinkable, you know. Yeah, it but is. Never mind. It is. We'll manage. Mm -hmm. How did you meet Jack? I met Jack, well, I used to be um, one of the journalists with one of the papers up here, the Highland News, and um, I had to uh, gosh, had to interview a man, we went to the Royal Hotel and we were sitting, just having a drink at the bar, and there was a man further across with his feet up on a stool and lounging on a chair and smoking a cigarette, and I hate smoking, but never mind. Um, then the waitress came and said to us, your table is ready. So I stood up and I had all my papers and stuff. And as we were going over, 
I fell over this man's feet. I forgot he was there, and I was flat on the floor, and my papers <laughs> they were all over. So anyway, um, the guy that was with me, I was doing a feature on him, and Jack were oh so apologetic, and and I said to Jack, "Leave me alone." I said, "You smoke," <laughs> and that was that was how I met him. And then I, that was on a Friday. And then on a, well, I didn't give him any information about me. But then on the um, yeah, that was on a Friday. And on the Monday morning when I went into the office, I saw on my desk this massive bunch of flowers. I've never seen a bigger bouquet in my life. And at the bottom of it, oh, I said to him, you're, a, you're an oaf. And that was what I said, when you're smoking. And there at the, on the bottom of it was, I'm so sorry for any upset you feel. I adore you. And it was signed, The Oaf. So <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 met, I met him after that. He actually, how did I get in touch with him? Yes, he phoned my office. Um, I was busy, I couldn't speak to him. But the, one of the editors, he said, um, look, he's, he's uh, really wanting to meet you. Will, can I tell him you will? So he arrived, he was from India, and he was over, uh, Jack actually was an, a doctor in India, and so um, he was on holiday, and that's how we met. So within six months we were married, and I moved over to, um, my, uh, I forgot my name again, uh, no, beside the Taj Mahal, anyway, our house was there, Muru de Alcoy, that was it. So, um, just, 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 uh, these things kept happening in my life, you know, it was absolutely wonderful. How is having an olive farm? That sounds so much fun. Yeah, Jack was like that. I was the same. I would try anything. And he said to me, when we were still in India, he said, when I retire, he said, I want to be an olive farmer. And I said, oh, what on earth are you thinking of that for? And he said, I think it would be wonderful. We'll get somebody in the mountains and we'll just have a wonderful time. And we did. And to say the only sad thing was that man, you know, hurting his dog. Yes. Jack has passed away? Yes, yes. Unfortunately, he got Alzheimer's. And that, and eventually had to be put into care because his be- behavior was so bad. And really and truly, he was such a wonderful, gentle, well-mannered man. It was he was just adorable. I loved him to bits. So I'm so sorry. He just well, it, it's now again. I have the feeling because things have happened, and I still feel he's with me. You know, I th- I feel him around in these times. So now I'm living in Inverness in a, a small house that we got bought for because of Jack's illness and it didn't have any steps and stairs and things. It's just a bungalow. Yeah. And um, I love it here. We have quite a big garden and I enjoy it. When I had my stroke, the doctor phoned the the, the the physician he phoned the police and said this lady can't drive again could you have a word with her and he did it without even asking me
And people do have strokes if they drive. They automatically, they have by law got to tell the police about it. So, you know, because it, you could have another stroke and this time it would be more serious in the car because I had my car before. So I bought myself a tricycle <laughs> and um, I just love it. It has a motor on it, mm-hmm. has a battery and I can go anywhere I want to. And, I, and I've got, you know, a few friends who if we want to go anywhere further then we'll all go in the car and enjoy it. And um, she was just going to open the door for the dog. <laughs> go on then, baby, what do you want? He said, I want to go out in the garden. Come on then. Excuse me, I'm just walking to the door. <laughs> it's all right. And there's Missy, she's coming too. Did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> They'll rush outside. And if I want to call them in, I have a bottle with stones in it, you know, a plastic bottle, and they make such a noise. They're just coming straight away. So they're funny. Anyway, he said, I'm sure she's gone just to bark at other dogs that pass. She <laughs> loves that. You said that you have a recycling program and that you make jewelry. The kids and, yes, the kids and the adults and anything that can be recycled. I mean, I'm sitting amongst them just now because I'm doing some. And even I even paint stones with lovely messages on them. And each one is a personal one, you know, for whoever I, I give it to. And, um, oh, I have dolls that the children have made and I use milk bottles. And I, I cut holes in it and then put a, a hanger on the top and fill it with bird seed. And the birds come and peck through the holes. Oh, that's and neat. Hole through the bottle. And I've made little, put little sticks through so they've got a perch, you know, and they can eat. And, and there's lots of things like that. Many, many things. And clothes, I recycle clothes. What made you start doing all the recycling projects and the art projects? Well... And everything I did, my father was an artist and a musician, and my mum also, she was very good at handcrafts, and she, she said, I was born in 1940, and I came through the Second World War, and we had, we were, we never wasted anything, nobody did, we had no big shops or anything like that then, we had a little village store that stocked milk from the dairy, or we walked to the dairy to get our milk, and we made our own bread and um, just basic things and meat. We were lucky. My dad, you know, we weren't poor, but there were a lot of people that were. So we spent a lot of time um, just helping people. And my mom, I was only five, you know, six at the end of the war. But my mom... She was always helping someone, somebody. There was, Polish soldiers were in the village. There was a big mansion house quite near our house. And um, the, I can't remember his name, Lord MacLeod, I think it was. Anyway, he gave over the house for the injured prisoners from Poland. So when they were really badly injured, they came there, you know, to get better and recuperate. And they used to come into the village, you know, if they were able to walk. And and my mom eventually said to me, you know, would you like to come and have some lunch and a cup of tea or something? And, oh, they just loved it. And I can remember sitting, we had a long, long dining table. And um, they, they used to come in, these men, and they were absolutely lovely, you know. And my mum did all these bakings and things made. You, you couldn't, you only got a certain amount of sugar, you know, in the months. 
you know, had to make do. So my mum used to make baking using flour, using fruit. Mm. And instead of using sugar, she would use that. So, so many lessons I learned. Everything had to be recycled. Um, if mum and my brother or sister, they were older, and then I had a twin, but we didn't get new clothes. My mum made them from the ones that they had they'd grown out of. And she made new clothes from us or any any other material that she get her hands on. She would use it, you know, to, to make nice clothes for us. And she knitted a lot. I learned to knit when I was five years old. Hmm. And I was knitting serial sweaters by the time I was six. I loved it. And then I ended up, I had a business called Selkie Wounds. Selkie is the Scottish name for the seal. Mm-hmm. And outside our house, there were, the, the river ran down. And the sea, there was near the sea, and the seals used to come and sit on the bank of our house. You know, just the, our bank went down into the river and the sea, and they used to come there and lie. And so I called it Selkie Woolens, and then I, I, did, I was a designer, and I did all these capes, and they were all knitted from uh, matching sets of tweeds. My tweed was made in the Brora Woolen Mill, and that was where we lived. And then, mm, that was the and then the wool, we knitted jumpers and scarves and socks. I made Prince Charles's kilt stockings. Oh my gosh! And that was a big thrill for me. Yeah, that was a big thrill for me. So it's amazing. He stops when he's on his way up to the north of Scotland, and he just pops in incognito. He pops in for a coffee, and he's lovely. He's now the king. He actually hasn't been for two years because we also had this um, scare about the forgotten it. The COVID. We all had the scare about the COVID. Yes, get a Christmas card from him every year. He's a lovely man. King Charles would pop by your house for coffee. Yes, yes, <laughs> it was lovely. I love that. But uh, I didn't tell people because he came. You know, incognito, because otherwise we'd have had press everywhere and photographing and that. And so that's what happened. And he loved the dogs. (laughs) Absolutely loved them. But now he's, again, he's a senior citizen, so... But I'm I'm happy for him. It was very, very sad and angry when Diana died. You know, she was killed in a motor accident. And I was angry at him for a while, and then I realized that, that it wasn't. Uh, you know, really, I don't know. I just don't blame either of them. It happened, and it was meant to happen. That was it. Mm. And and there was nothing that anybody could do to sort it. Ordinary people can do that. Nothing is even heard about it. But What did you and Charles talk about? I know he's big into recycling and saving the planet. Yes, we spoke about that. And also... He used to walk along to the wood with me to take the dogs. Mm. And they adored him. That was lovely. Because we had the wood way at the back of the house. And um, he just, he was just a normal guy. And he used to come in and we'd sit and chat and um, discuss things on the internet and, and do it. And I would show him everything I was recycling. And he loved a teddy bear that I made out of an old fur coat. And it was a teddy bear wearing a kilt. That's so lovely. And you got to uh, make Charles his socks. Yes, his kilt stockings, yes. Uh-huh. So, so wonderful. Your life is extraordinary. 
I know, it's very special, it's lovely. I've just been lucky, you know, all the time. Things always seem to be okay. If something bad happened, we just got through with it and got on with it, and that was it. Yeah. You're one of the uh, shining lights on the planet. And, you know, the thing is, <laughs> is you clearly have a deep empathy for living creatures. Thank you very much. I mean, I, we will see each other again. <laughs> Take care, Edna. Bye-bye. <laughs> okay, you too. Much love. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye.